welcome to The Shipping Exchange, a brand new podcast that aims to explore the latest developments in the maritime industry, brought to you by the Honourable Company of Master Mariners and Maritime London, and presented by me, Graham Fisher. In today's episode, we're going to talk about gender balance in the maritime industry. According to recent figures from the International Transport Workers Federation, women currently make up fewer than 2% of the global maritime workforce. This statistic reflects how, historically, seafaring has been viewed as a male-dominated industry. However, with the need for sector diversity, the maritime industry is now recognising the benefits of a gender-balanced workforce, with efforts being made within the sector to recruit and retain more women, including at the highest levels. In 2017, Maritime UK established the Women in Maritime Task Force to identify practical steps to increase the number of women in the industry. The task force makes a series of recommendations to utilise best practices from other sectors that have taken similar action. Over 40 large maritime companies signed a gender equality pledge to address the paucity of women in the UK industry. The task force seeks to address the balance in the number of women in senior roles across shipping, ports, marine and the wider industry. In this episode, we will look at why women are less likely to pursue a career in the maritime industry, how will the task force work, and does it have the international support required compared to the number of small seafarers the UK produces each year. I'm joined by three guests, Alice Kent, Deck Officer Cadet from Trinity House, Monica Gonzalez, seagoing journalist, and Lucy McQuillan, HR consultant from Spinnaker Global. Let's talk about gender balance in the maritime industry then. So I'm joined by Alice, you're a seafarer. What made you want to go to sea in the first place? Um, So I've always been quite interested in the maritime industry. Uh, Both my parents sail, so I've kind of grown up around boats, admittedly smaller than the ones I'm currently working on. I went to university to study engineering, but decided that wasn't for me. But while I was there, I spent some time with the Royal Navy, uh, with their university unit. I decided to train in the Merchant Navy rather than the Royal Navy. Good choice, good choice. Yeah, here I am. (laughs) So thinking about from day one and up until now at the point in your training, have you faced difficulties being a woman in the industry? Uh, I I wouldn't say anything as strong as the word difficulties. I would say you sometimes get treated differently, uh, particularly on board. In college, it's, it's very much fairly standard, not really any difference there. But particularly on board, um, I find that quite often, it's it's very rarely malicious, but you quite often do get treated differently in terms of, uh, particularly out on deck, if you're trying to get involved there and people are trying to tell you, oh no, it's okay, I'll do that for you. That's quite hard to learn how to do stuff if people are never letting you do stuff. <laughs> so why, why do we think so few women currently choose to pursue a career in the Merchant Navy? So, yeah, I think there's a big uh, difficulty with uh, people getting exposure, particularly women getting exposure to these jobs. Um, I think a lot of people in my class, at least, uh, have been encouraged to do it by a relative, perhaps a parent or an uncle, and presumably these, these relatives also know young females and the question is why aren't they encouraging them into the industry and whether that's a cycle of there's not many pe- women in the industry so men don't feel like they should encourage their female relatives into the industry and therefore there's not very many women in the industry and whether that just carries on um, but that definitely needs changing and that's a kind of education to the to all seafarers, I would say. Is that, is, so is that any different for, for for guys as well then? Because when I when I joined the Merchant Navy and when I, people ask me what I do and I say I work on tankers, 
and they completely forget that shipping plays a huge part in, in society, in the world economies. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't really have anything to do with who you are away from. It's that people just simply don't know that there is a job yeah, there and there's yeah. a job that needs to be done. Yeah, I'd say that it definitely... Uh, I'm involved with careers at sea, uh, doing a little bit of outreach for them, and I think what they do is really good, but it is something that needs to be done more in, until... I had... My granddad worked in the Merchant Navy, and I didn't even consider it as a job until I was at university and getting exposure to it from a different direction. Um, so even as somebody with some exposure to it previously, I, I didn't consider it as an industry that I'd want to work in. Um, so definitely more needs to be done to reach to everybody, and, and by reaching everybody, you'll obviously reach women as well. As well, just to add on to your point, is that I know maritime shipping has been described as being the invisible industry, and I think that when people are made aware of shipping and maritime, they're shown a very male-dominated industry. So I think that straight away turns women off from looking at a career in the maritime yeah. industry. So you think that society currently limits encouraging women to work at sea? I think so. I think, I mean, I spoke to a um, master mariner, a female master mariner, who said that maritime is so removed from the day-to-day of people's lives. I mean, we have sort of Postman Pat, Fireman Sam, Bob the Builder. There's no maritime equivalent. And there's also, there's no female equivalent to any of them. Mm. So I think when women do look at a career at sea, it being male-dominated does really turn a lot of women off. And I think what we have to do as an industry is really push inspiring females and inspiring female role models. I know the Lloyd's List and a lot of companies release the top women to watch in shipping, um, normally CFOs um, or heads of operations, not many female master mariners or seagoers. So Monica, what, what, what can we do to promote women in the industry, to promote more women to consider a career, to not be put off by feelings that society is... That society limits them or yeah, that society limits them, them yeah. yeah. Well, the first step um, would be, I think, that society didn't, but that's not going to happen anytime soon. Uh, so I guess the next step would be, as Alice pointed, uh, it's, it's fundamental that there are more examples of women at sea out there. It's incredibly important that you realize that this is an option for you. It is also incredibly important, I think, that men join, that this stops being a, a female uh, issue that should concern females only. There are very, uh, there is very hard proof that the, that everybody will benefit. Uh, the more diverse a working place is, uh, both in economical as and cultural and well-being terms, the more men that are aware of this and actually join, and and we can strip feminism from that uh, bad bad connotation that it seems to have mm. nowadays that it's only very, very angry, angry, resentful <laughs> women that, that are feminists and more men actually join and show us that we will be welcome if we decide to make this choice to join ship. We were just talking about well-being at sea and how difficult it is even for men, right? And that, that, that it is such a unique line of work that it is difficult for men. Imagine if you're going to add to that uh, the pressure of being judged as a female because you are judged differently then I, I don't blame anyone that says that sounds very interesting but I think it will break me and just mm. walks away. Research has been done that a more diverse workforce both male, female, people from different ethnicities and backgrounds 
they will enjoy better engagement, productivity, innovation, and also more retention. Lucy, you agree? Particularly from the HR side, the view that you see? Yes, definitely. I think if you're all sitting around a board table and you've all come from the same background um, or have the same experiences, what are you going to change about your company? I think if you are diverse and have people of different genders, ethnicity, religious backgrounds, I think that can really help change your company and change it for the better and make it more profitable, definitely. Mm. It's, it's, I think it's one of the, the, the best things about being in the Merchant Navy, Alice, you can echo this, is that you will meet people from different backgrounds and walks of life that yeah, you would, exactly. and Monica as well, from all of the people that you've met through, through your time at sea, it's, it's, it's incredible. You will learn so much, not only about yourself, but about other religions. You become far more pluralistic. My last ship was majority Filipinos, and when I got on board, I was a little bit apprehensive about it, about a number of things, um, but by the time I left, I'd had a great experience, and just when you repeat that, Every time you go to sea, that's that can only be beneficial. So, bearing that in mind, then, do you think that shipping is perhaps stereotypically maybe sexist or apprehensive towards women in the industry just because of how long it has been viewed as a male-dominated industry? I can say from what I have observed in my limited time on, on board ships and because I am not a seafarer and I don't come from a particularly sailory background, mm-hmm. that even liberal men... And, and again, I want to stress sometimes women as well, because we live in the same culture. We are not removed from the culture that makes it harder on women, ironically. As liberal as they might be, and as welcoming as they might honestly be towards women, the standard to which they will hold women in the job is very masculine and and I don't mean to say that we are weaker or that we are softer or anything like that but the way women express themselves it's it's just different the way we communicate the way we socialize it's different and if you do not edit yourself and behave in what is perceived to be a more masculine hence professional way even men that are honestly glad to have women in the workplace will think of you as less professional, will begin thinking, yeah, it's great, but it's so difficult to find women that you can really work with. Yeah. So, Lucy, is there any evidence or any data for the value at which a more diverse workplace brings in, in, in the industry? I wouldn't say there's much in the maritime industry, unfortunately, but we do see it, especially with the FTSE 100. I know they've re- just released data that the companies who have a more diverse board are actually more profitable. And I think that is definitely something that needs to be reciprocated within the maritime industry. We're definitely going to see a positive impact of that. But unfortunately, we don't have enough women to produce data on because there's not enough women in them positions at the moment. We are here in, obviously, London on the UK and if you hadn't guessed already by the noise, we're on a ship exposed <laughs> to the elements, so sorry about that. But it's very similar to the mental health uh, episode, the point which we raised, in that it's all well talking about it in the UK, but this is an international problem. This is about making sure cultures and societies all over the world uh, move forward together in promoting both mental health and also promoting women at sea. So, Monica, you're from Costa Rica. Do you see the the, the, the scale at which is an international problem on, on how we need to be working together rather than just one country leading the way? Well, I'm happy to believe that the world as a whole, if we're going to generalize, I I want to believe that it's moving in the right direction. So to answer your question, yes, I think it has to be done in the whole world, but I wonder if ships can become like little laboratories because you have people from all over the world. Can Could it be easier 
maybe to transform culture within a single ship that then multiplies to the entire fleet in a company and then that multiplies to other ships around because then when you change crew those crew members will be multipliers of a different more inclusive culture i wonder if, if this could create a um, critical mass to mm -hmm. actually not that the change might not come from the world to the shipping industry but actually that shipping industry could become the laboratory where we yeah. begin exporting change. It has to be one of the most multinational industries in the world. Uh, even if you have a ship with one culture on board, they're visiting everywhere mm -hmm. and, and being good ambassadors for their country, hopefully. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think if you could produce that, that would, could be a really powerful uh, impact. I had a case here when a... British female cadet was told um, by Indian fleet manager that she sh simply shouldn't be at sea because she's a female. Mm. In all honesty, you know, what are some of the worst things that you've had to face, one of the worst things that you've had to deal with, the stereotypes, the presumptions that are made about you simply because you, you are just a female working in the industry? I would say the majority of the stereotype, and I use the word discriminatory quite carefully here, but the majority of the, of the times that people treat me differently, it's, it's rarely been malicious. I've had people, like I mentioned earlier, not letting me do stuff, uh, but trying to be helpful in in that it was it's part of their culture that they do stuff for their women, and so and so they in their minds they're they're being helpful, but to me it's it's the opposite. It's um, yeah, exactly. Um, and I've had uh, in more kind of disheartening. I've had senior officers. Uh, essentially telling me that I was the cause of all the bad luck on, on, on board the ship. And I was like, okay, good. <laughs> Times are moving on. Yeah. <laughs> was that just after whistling, was it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, just by existing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> didn't I even think, have to whistle. Yeah. I think a lot of that is not so much on the seafarer, but on the company. Yeah. And the company you're working for, they need to prepare crews. I mean, they might have seafarers on board who have only ever worked in all male environments. Yeah. They need to provide training or advice or something to seafarers to warm them up to having women on board especially with the example you shared of somebody saying women shouldn't be at sea that is a company issue they yeah, need yeah. to be taking that up they need to be dealing with that is it an impossible task almost in that how can we change their opinions about women in the industry despite that despite the fact that they've had them since you know went from when they were young or from the background of the country the area which they grew up in how, how is it possible to change that i think a lot of it is education and I exposure Definitely, and if they're working for a UK company, if they do have an all-Indian crew and, and a female on board, you're working for a UK company, mm. so they're going to have to expect to see more women yeah. on board, and I think a lot of it is education, and as well having communication to shore as well, if there is something they're not too sure about, that they have places where they can ask questions. But also I think that's something that is absolutely necessary, and I just don't know how you get there. But it's reaching that critical mass because just because you have, I don't know, a crew of 50 people and two of them are female and one might be a deckhand and another one is a stewardess, rarely it will, it will be an officer. Just because they have seen that there are women at sea and, oh, look, she didn't die, maybe it's, <laughs> maybe it's possible. Um, just because of that, you're not really creating the critical mass that you need to create a, a, a real cultural change mm -hmm. where this percentage is if it's 30 is it 40 percent of crew that need to be female mm -hmm. but it's not going to be one or two and it's not going to be one one officer in you in 40 years at sea that you saw once if you only see one and interact with one you're like well that wasn't that bad or if if 
you had a difficult female because hey, there are difficult <laughs> women out there. So there's the difficult men as well. We're all human. Then oof, the entire gender is going to suffer the consequences of this exposure to one single one because one single one carries the flag for the entirety of 50% of the human race. I don't know how you reach a, a critical mass, but but it must be reached. Mm. I would say as well, like going back, it, it is just getting people in. Um, and I think one of the ways that we're not doing currently and, and that is probably a little bit hard to implement, but to have a more accessible way to experience the industry for most industries you go and do work experience but it's pretty much impossible to go and do work experience working on board a ship mm. i think that could have a huge impact because it means it's almost a low pressure way you can say come on board see what we do for a week and it allows people to see get a good taste of of what it would be like and whether they'd enjoy it and i think more creative uh, recruitment techniques i think maybe need to be looked at when we think about the nature of shipping and the amount of time which individuals will spend away, and then you think about perhaps people's stereotypes about women have being uh, at home to raise children, to have a family, like, do you think that it's impossible for shipping and uh, being a female to ever be sort of linked together? In my experience, I'd say it doesn't have to be, particularly if you're coming straight out of school it's possible to do your cadetship, raise up through the ranks, get your sea time, get even your master's ticket before you'll even be thinking about having children. Uh, particularly now as health advances go on and it's possible to have children later in life. And at that point, then you can start thinking about having children. I think as well, companies could be doing more, uh, particularly big, big multinational companies with big head offices. What kind of facilities have they got in place to allow women seafarers to work with in the office for a little bit? Because not only will that allow them to come home and have a child if they choose. Say they worked in the office for two years, that's getting experience from people who are at sea, bringing it back to the office, and then also the potential to take that back to sea. And that, I think, is a direction that doesn't happen very often, but could also have benefits to have that understanding going both ways. That's a really, really fantastic point. We mentioned earlier about if we have um, more uh, female seafarers you know, over 10, 20 years, when they come ashore, we will then eventually have more female uh, lawyers, shipbrokers, insurers, etc. So, Lucy, do, do you think that the shortage of women working at sea is affecting the gender balance ashore, particularly within the maritime industry? Yes, certainly. Um, we have very small percentages of women working in technical and marine positions and also new building positions. Those particular jobs, the new building and our technical and marine positions, normally require people to have a sea experience. Um, and I think as well, the more women that we have at sea who then can come to shore into the technical superintendents or marine superintendents positions and are dealing with mal crew the more we will see a really positive change and a real positive impact i think this is more of a generational change and certainly. The people who are really discriminatory have all died off or retired <laughs> <laughs> i'm not advocating <laughs> are there any are there any shortcuts to achieving that quicker for us especially in the hr customer service and um, roles we are seeing that a lot of companies, especially a lot of maritime companies, are having to recruit outside of the industry. So that does obviously increase their gender balance a lot because they're not picking from such a small resource of people. I think, though, with the new building and technical and marine positions, that probably is going to be a generational, a generational move. Alison Monarch here. Did you did you have a did you know what what to expect when joining 
or deciding to go to sea? Did you did you know that there was a problem in the industry, or that you, to expect perhaps you know inappropriate comments or people making misconceptions about women in the industry? I I knew that that would I'd be most likely the only woman on board the ship. I knew that was quite probable. We'd we'd kind of been briefed before going to sea that uh, not as a female specifically, but as a group, a cohort. We'd been briefed going to sea that. Uh, sometimes it'll be tricky and you'll get comments. And I think, to be honest, as a cadet, male or female, people will... They'll be giving you a hard time. I guess the first time I heard somebody saying, oh, she's only got that job because she's a woman, I was a bit disappointed in them. I think, like you mentioned, it's it's very variable company to company. Um, I know that I'd definitely uh, be quite careful about, about the companies that I'd work for. I wouldn't want to work for somebody with, with perhaps a reputation that is less than stellar. Do you think that reputation really sort of sticks or if you hear a bad experience of a female, do you, do you believe that it can have a real impact on that company's reputation for how they treat women in their organisation? That, that would be, I'm, I'm actually not sure on that one to be honest. I think uh, particularly as people move around companies more, that would probably help kind of word spread if you like, if everyone stays within one company. I think pe- people are the company, people make up the company, exactly. but these views are individual views and they're not representative of the company. I, I would agree with that, but then the company maybe needs to be doing more to uh, manage that. So, so Monica, I think you've been very fortunate in that you're, you've, you've taken your career and your experiences onto a ship and you've been able to kind of take an, an outsider's perspective of what, it, what life is like mm-hmm. on board and then also what life is like on board as a female as well. So from what you've seen, you know, leading on from some of the points that Alice has made. What do I see? Yeah. Well, I, 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 at least prior to having this conversation on, on recorded, uh, she did mention that she just needs to prove that she's better. Or she could say that I'm just as good, but in the eyes of the supervisor, probably in reality she's having to be better because you are being watch with a magnifying glass. Coming back a little bit uh, to to your prior question on if I was aware what to expect joining a ship, I'm not a sailor and I never even knew that I was ever going to board a ship, which incidentally seemed like one of the scariest things that a human being could ever (laughs) do, so I'm still surprised to this day that I did. But coming from Latin America, I would have had to be living under a rock not to know what a woman can be exposed to. I think I was expecting something better because I knew that this was a, a ship that you know that the people, the crew, are mostly from developed countries. And I expected a little, I, I came with the stereotype that things would be better. And they are, I, I suppose that if it was a, a Latin American ship, it would be worse. But I expected better anyways. So it's just the little comments like somebody that had never seen my work before say, I'm sure you're great, but I just don't understand why outreach people always have to be good-looking girls. You know, and it's like, but you have not seen what I do, so you don't mm. know if I was hired to flirt or to do a good job. Mm. You, you don't know yet. And, 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 and little comments like that, and yeah, what I observe in general is that even, even if we are talking about liberal, educated, young, amazing guys that are in the crew, Every now and then, they will show that, that a woman slip up is, ha- is much more harshly judged mm, yeah. than a man. And how a woman expresses stress mm. is going to be probably perceived as unprofessional. I'm talking about crying, for instance. Whereas if a guy is expressing stress, which stereotypically will be raising his voice or slamming a door, that's like, 
mm-hmm. he'll, he'll, he'll get over it and he'll come back. And so for me, it's like both, both are valid ways of expressing mm-hmm. uh, stress, especially in a stressful career such as being at sea. Uh, and these, these are, as I said before, um, uh, changes in perception that I don't think will be quite reached until we reach a critical mass. Mm. And there's like an army of women crying <laughs> and showing that you can cry and be professional at the same time. Who knew? I think that's really interesting because I think, as you say, with women crying, I think that's generally come from our upbringings and what we see of other women. I don't think it's it's not perceived as being feminine for mm. a lady to raise her voice or slam a door. Exactly. I have done both. But <laughs> <laughs> I've probably cried in situations more than I have done that. Right. Um, but with men, it's very unlike they see it as sort of not very masculine to cry. Mm. But that's just how we've been brought up. That's just how everything has influenced our behaviour and has changed our culture. So I think that's really interesting because I think obviously crying in a situation probably could solve something, but maybe raising your voice and slamming the door could do the same just because it doesn't, it shouldn't depend on which gender is doing that. But if you think about it, say, because I've actually had this situation on board where a woman was crying and then I was talking to the officer that saw this woman crying and he was saying, but I literally walked in and she was crying. That's not professional. Mm. And for me it was like, this person was crying yet still working and just some tears you know yeah. like like I mean don't worry it's not contagious yeah. <laughs> she's, still, <laughs> she's still doing her job yeah. uh, so for me the advice for guys out there if you're interested is if a woman is crying just approach her as you would a man who's yelling or who's acting stressed or angry it's exactly the same thing mm. you would say to the guy what's wrong mm. talk it over with her and be like okay well take take five if you need it get it together and then you're welcome to come back and that's all it's needed but it's not scary just because it's the female reaction just because it's different yes it's very feminine (laughs) thing to do isn't it and that I think sometimes can scare (laughs) so many men I think at sea will will take the view that um, there's sort of a a physical inferiority of of women which limits them Madeleine Albright in a speech just over 10 years ago said there is a special place in hell for women who don't help other women. Do you think that is representative for women at sea as well? Do you think it's we're all in it together? Yeah, I'd say um, definitely, definitely the physical side of things. People have expressed concern. Let's put it like that. Um, but at the end of the day, in order to safely work, anything that I can't physically handle, a guy shouldn't be lifting anyway for for health reasons as much as anything else. Um, we have all kinds of equipment to enable safer manual handling and manual handling is a huge huge cause of injuries in the in the workplace particularly in seafaring and so by making your ship able I'm, I'm gonna sound a bit bad here able for women to work on by having <laughs> by having that equipment you're making it safer for everybody to work on and and that's that's only beneficial like mm-hmm. like you say having people from different backgrounds i think as well if you have a female seafarer on board in a male dominated environment of a ship and she's the only female on there then i don't think mental strength or physical strength is a worry mm. if somebody has gone through that and is then going on the ship with 15 men and is the only female I don't think we have to worry about physical or mental strength doing yeah exactly that. we haven't even reached the point where we need to worry about that yeah. I think when you think of the job as well I mean the, the physical side of it there isn't a great deal which, uh, which no, no normal person could do especially yeah. with all due respect for officers like if a woman can lift a pen she can be an officer yeah of course absolutely the other point um, 
Alice was that Madeleine Albright's statement that yeah. there's a special place in hell for women who don't help other women. So is that a case of we all need to be supporting each other as as, as women in the industry? Or I think this is a, a tricky one, and I firmly believe that we do. Um, but I also there's there is research done saying that views women in an unfavourable light when they do visibly help other women. And and I think that's shocking, and I think that's a culture change, attitude change, the, the number of old boys clubs that ex- exist and are considered acceptable. Uh, I don't think it should be viewed badly for women to help other women specifically. So by promoting more women in the industry, is there a need for quotas, or are they a more of a hindrance more than a help? I think quotas are important. I do. I really do believe that. But I think that it can't... The quotas aren't the be-all and end-all. You have to have other things. You have to educate. You have to recruit males and females. You have to be seen to be creating an inclusive working environment. You have to make sure that your ships are equipped for female seafarers. You can't just say, well, we need one female seafarer. Mm-hmm put her on board and not do anything to (laughs) help her time while she's there so I think you have to quotas are great and I do think they are they can be used in a really positive way I think you have to do a lot more as well to go alongside the quotas education training and things like that exactly you need to communicate the the benefits like this quota is not just so we look good you know it's it's because it will it's been proven that it translates into a better work workplace. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will benefit you. It will make the company more productive. We will make more money. Maybe you'll even get a raise uh, in your salary mm-hmm. because now we're making more money mm-hmm. just because we brought more women in. Because this has to be a conversation that just moves from we have to fix this because it's right, because it's morally sad or it's morally wrong that women are not finding these opportunities or that it's harder for them the conversation needs to be a lot more practical. I I, I firmly believe that we should make changes just because something is wrong. But the fact is that we have the arguments to also prove in a very black and white scenario that this is beneficial to address. And this has to also be better communicated. And uh, just to answer your question, I do believe in quotas. I think it's an imperfect solution, absolutely. But I I think they're necessary. I mean, Alice, you mentioned earlier about... Uh, you're being fearful that you're only getting a job because you are a woman and the fear there with quotas is that if you have a company which only hires women solely for the the numbers side um, does, is that going to create a perhaps resentment amongst the, the male workforce or on the flip side perhaps a frustration for females that are working in those roles who think I want to be here based on my own merit not simply because I'm a, another statistic or for a better equality figure. I think it is a, a risk of quotas and and like Monica I do support them but find that they do have their limitations and that's one of the major challenges that they come with and I think that comes with uh, a company attitude if you've got a quota you also have to show that once you're women are in the door you're then supporting them through more than just having a statement saying that you will support women it has to be through your actions through having good uh, parental leave through good good uh, procedures for if a woman wants to come ashore for a bit to have family I think the attitude of seafarers there will always be some resistance among among ma- among the people who aren't included in the quota because to them they they will feel threatened by that um, and and 
that will cause resistance. I think it's down to the company to make it clear that these these women are being hired off the merit of of their achievements and that the quota is only there to ensure that they do hire women but that they are still meeting that base standard. Suicide and mental health issues are rising exponentially, um, which again links to the previous episodes that we've looked at. Surely a, a gender balance with a more emotionally intelligent team on board has the potential to reduce the crewing costs, the money spent on welfare support, on perhaps the mental health problems on board those ships. You know, do, do we have a, an opportunity here which we can positively affect mental well-being on board ships by having a more gender balanced environment on ships? I would agree with that because at the end of the day, as well as working on board a ship, you're living you're living on board that ship for up to three, four months, some of the ratings nine, ten months a year. Um, and humans are, are tribe animals, essentially. We, we live in a group, we're very social people, um, and if, you're, if that group is unbalanced, you're going to end up with an unbalanced... Women are known to be the touchy-feely ones that will talk about feelings. <laughs> and I think that, in as, as kind of joking as I say that, that is really important when you're on board a ship for that long. You'll have problems at home, you'll have problems on board. And if you bottle that up for three months, that's, that's only going to impact your work, your productivity, and feeling confident that there's somebody on board that you can speak to, which as women you will probably become the de facto person to go speak to um but having that more open um atmosphere on board ships would definitely benefit mental health i'd say as a final thought lucy do you think that there are lessons which we can learn from other industries that are perhaps leading the way in creating a positive gender balanced uh, industry environment i think definitely i think a lot of other companies are now having more diverse boards and are proving that more diversity is being very beneficial for their bottom line and I think this is something that Maritime are catching on with. I think we can see from the very large companies, uh, sort of the oil majors, commodity houses, as well, what we have to remember as well is our clients and our customers, whoever we are selling to, whoever we are dealing with, if they're diverse, then they want to work with a diverse company. If you're speaking to a female buyer, she might prefer to have to speak with a female on the other end of the phone, and they might be able to produce a better relationship. So I suppose that also extends, Lucy, to not just boards and companies, but also bridge team, engine team management, that structure on board ships. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, certainly. So, Monica, when you're thinking about the, the structure of the shipping industry, it, do you feel, when if there are lessons to be learned from other industries, is there anything which is pre- preventing um, shipping from doing that currently? Or? Something that is preventing, in my opinion, a culture shift is that critical mass, is the exposure to, because it is one thing to say, hey, women can also be at sea, hey, women are just as capable. If you don't see it, um, I mean, if you don't experience it, it's way more difficult to really create that change in, in, in the mindset. And Alice, so at, at the start of your, your career and as you lead forward, for anyone perhaps who is considering joining the Merchant Navy and, and, and is female, is there any sort of message that you give to them? Uh, I'd, say, I'd say go for it. I'd say it's incredibly rewarding um, and empowering as well, to be honest. To stand on the bridge of a ship by yourself saying, yep, I am in control of this and, and this is my ship right now. I think that's it's a great moment the first time that happens for you. You learn to have quite a thick skin, but that in a lot of industries that's helpful anyway. 
to go for it to be honest I, I wouldn't let any kind of perceived mm. bias hold you back at all because people getting involved is the only way that we're ever going to overcome that and drive the, drive the change that's needed exactly thank you for listening to the shipping exchange we hope you enjoyed the show and if you did it would be great if you could leave us a comment and subscribe for future episodes you can also find us across all of social media and at our website and the links can be found below in the bio and we hope that you can join us again soon